The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's uh, nine minutes after eight o'clock. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you've just joined us, this is the Forum at Eight here on AM Live. Now, the World Health Organization has called the current Ebola virus outbreak the most severe acute health emergency seen in modern times. The epidemic has killed more than 4,000 people, mainly in uh, West African countries of uh, Liberia, Sierra Leone and Guinea. The number of reported cases uh, stands at more than 8,300 and on the Forum at 8 this morning, we ask, what do South Africans need to know about the deadly Ebola virus? And uh, judging by some of the messages that have been coming through and some of them completely Completely nonsensical, but hey, you know what? With the advent of social media, these messages are spreading and people are really getting into a panic. So this morning, uh, we will try to gather as much information as we possibly can about the Ebola virus and of course also just try to allay people's fears as far as possible. And the lines are always open during this part of the show 0891-104-208 that's the number um, onto which you can call and uh, if you have any questions of course we'll take those this morning if you need clarity, if there's something that we perhaps missing in the conversation you can call us on that number alternatively you can send Send us an SMS on uh, 34701, tweet or Facebook at AMLive on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. And uh, joining us for the conversation this morning, uh, we have uh, the Minister in the Department of Health, uh, Honourable Aaron Mutsualedi. Thanks for your time this morning, Minister. Thanks, thanks, ma'am. And how are you? Very well, thank you, Minister. We also have with us uh, Professor Shabir Madi, who is uh, Executive Director of National Institute for Communicable, Communicable Diseases, who's in our Joburg studios. Thanks for taking the time to come through. Thanks for having me. And in our Cape Town studios, Jem uh, Patton, who is an epidemiologist with uh, MSF. Thanks for uh, making the time this morning, Jem. Morning, yeah, it's a pleasure. Now, um, Minister, perhaps if I can start with you, everybody seems to be in a panic right now about Ebola and people are concerned as to whether South Africa is actually ready. And I know you've come out time and time again, but seemingly the message is not quite hitting home with regard to South Africa's state of preparedness to deal with an Ebola outbreak should it occur here. Indeed, Sakina, we we have tried our best in in almost every single press conference and through the media to try and explain to South Africans what we have done. And I'm sure I'll still be given an opportunity today. But the problem, Sakina, I I don't want to be a crisis. On Friday when I had the press conference, I I was really put into the press because the, the hype of looking for the first case of Ebola in South Africa seems to be so high in the media that it drives this panic in the population. There's a lot of media hype where they are chasing us around. We, we no longer rest this case. Sakina, you know, we have a situation where patients with HIV AIDS are now being suspected of Ebola. Patients with diabetes, any patient who bleeds, when bleeding is so common uh, in every hospital. Patients who develop fever, when every single day there's no chance of any clinic or hospital in any part of the country, not having somebody with fever. But all those are regarded as Ebola. So so normal things with which people were living, 
are already regarded as Ebola and were chased down by the media. Now, this makes the public believe somehow we are hiding something from them. We're not telling them the truth, and it's only the media that is looking for the truth. And I'm not saying the media should not report and inform people, but I'm really pleading to them that uh, the hysteria, please, and there's no reason for us as government to hide anybody from, I mean, we have got Ebola from the public. It's not in anybody's interest. So I am still concerning the very first case of Ebola that happens in the country will announce that to the nation. Now, Minister, just on that score, um, what precautionary measures are in place? Uh, are we confident that in the, you know, God forbidden event that it does happen, are we ready as a nation to deal with it? We believe so, Sakina. We believe so. The, the first thing is that uh, very early uh, 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 this year, when, when, you know, after March, when the reported cases were there in, in West Africa, we immediately established a multi-sectoral uh, op- uh, I mean, uh, uh, outbreak response team at the national level. An outbreak response team increases an outbreak. Each province now has got an, a provincial outbreak response team. The outbreak response team was meeting on a monthly basis since March. It is now meeting on a fortnightly basis. And uh, we do communicate by, you know, teleconference with the province all the time to know what's happening. On top of that, we have reopened uh, NATOC. Sakina, what South Africans don't know is that we do have a legacy from 2010. When we are preparing from 2010, I mean for 2010 World Cup, we, we, we created what we call National Health Operations Center or NATOC. We have now reactivated it. There is a network that works for seven days a week. That they've got people there. From now this morning, they'll be there until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They'll be taking calls. They'll be directing. They'll be doing all sorts of work. And what work are they doing, Sakina? First of all, we have mapped all the points of entry through which we think Ebola may enter the country. And in most cases, in most cases, you realize that it comes through the airports. And now the, 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 the biggest airport through which it will come is OR Tambo International and Lanceria. We are monitoring all these airports. We are giving people travel questionnaires which they fill in and we follow them up. These travel questionnaires are sent to NATOC, this uh, operation center. They study them and draw a database. Everybody who has arrived from those countries, we follow them up on a daily basis. You might not be knowing from that uh, uh, database on a daily basis we follow them up to hear where they are what are they doing what 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 is that which they are experiencing that one is done on a daily basis even the team of experts who we know who are our own from national institute of communicable diseases will be on that database will be following them up to hear what's happening as you know in the airports we've got thermal scanners we have just bought now handheld scanners which will be distributed to the other smaller areas around the country. So, and then we know, you know of the 11 hospitals that have been selected where we have trained people. In each district, there are 25 people who have been trained, very fully trained uh, uh, in, the, I mean, in, in, in the issues of Ebola operations. In the 11 hospitals, we have distributed protective clothing. We have got now a total of 
more than 600 personal protective clothing units that have been distributed to all those level hospitals in the country. And every time they do drill exercises, we ask them to choose a room which will be work as an isolation in case they get Ebola. Lastly, Sakino, we have distributed guidelines and, and, and standard operating procedures. They've been distributed to all public health authorities, to all laboratories in the country, whether private or, 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 or public. We've distributed to all the hospitals other than these 11 public and private hospitals. We have distributed to all the GPs in the country, all the private practitioners, so that if they've got any problem, they've got a, 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 you know, a number which they can phone to the NICD to get guidance. So, so in that regard, we believe we've covered the whole country and we just, we just waiting like that every day. Minister, you seem to have, you know, uh, strict measures in place at airports, but what about other ports of entry? Well, as I'm saying, Sakina, we are looking here at possibilities and probabilities. A lot has been said, for instance, about Messina, Bay Bridge, uh, that people go there every day, they cross fences. Sakina, our, our argument, uh, which we believe is scientific, uh, for, for any person with Ebola to move from West Africa by road, whether he's walking or he has got a lift or he has got a car, to travel from West Africa, cross all these countries, get into Zimbabwe, and get into Bay Bridge, cross a fence there illegally, and, and seek with Ebola. We, we just believe in our clinical understanding of the disease is not possible. By the time the people arrive there, people like this arrive there, they'll be so sick that they'll be detected. So the only quickest way and very effective way of bringing the disease is through the airport. And we are looking at international airports like Artambo. And by now, for people to come from West Africa, the countries that are affected, to come to South Africa, we know which airports and airlines they actually use. And, and we, we are doing surveillance on those very strictly. So uh, the, the idea that we must really go and, and guard the border post because somebody will escape and come in there with Ebola, I think it's fascinating. Mm. And let me bring uh, Professor uh, Madi uh, in, uh, because, you know, we talk about Ebola right now, but what should South Africans really be concerned about as far as communicable diseases go? Right. So, Sakina, before I mention that, I just need to support what the minister is saying. I don't think there's been any other previous uh, time when we were faced with any infectious disease threat that South Africa has been so proactive in terms of taking the necessary steps to, sh- to ensure that even were it to be a case of Ebola in South Africa, which is extremely unlikely, that our healthcare system is actually prepared to respond to it. So I think the Department of Health in this particular instance needs to be congratulated in terms of how proactive it has been with regard to dealing with the potential imported case of Ebola. Now, what should South Africa be concerned about? South Africans need to be concerned about Ebola, but about Ebola in terms of what it's doing in West Africa. The chances of an outbreak of Ebola at a scale or even at one fraction of a scale of what's happening in West Africa, in South Africa, is extremely unlikely. So we need to understand that with Ebola, it's a very infectious virus in that if you come into contact with a virus, you're highly likely to become infected, but it's not very contagious. And by that, what I mean is that it doesn't spread very rapidly around in a community. And the reason for that is you really need to be in physical contact with someone that's ill with Ebola to actually contract the virus. Or you need to have uh, sort of been in touch, uh, 
you need to have been in touch with sort of corpse, dead animal corpse, which could also be infected with a virus, or you need to be eating bats, which is sort of a natural reservoir of the virus. Now, those sort of things don't exist in South Africa. When, when we talk of contagious, what we refer to is some sort of a disease which, or some sort of a pathogen which spreads very rapidly in a community. Now, the best example and something and an example which people will identify with was in 2009, we had a swine flu, right? And there was a lot of media hype about a swine flu, and correctly so. And the reason for that, the swine flu was a novel influenza virus that was coming into the community. Unlike Ebola, the swine flu was highly contagious, in that you can be sitting in a room full of people and not come into and not have any physical contact with anyone, yet you could have infected that entire room of people with a swine flu virus, and they could become ill, and many people died from the swine flu virus. In South Africa, strangely enough, what we're not talking about in the media is tuberculosis. Now, each year in South Africa, there's over 400,000 people that are going to develop tuberculosis. 400,000 people. Not that they're going to become infected, but that are actually going to develop fulminant tuberculosis. Of those, close unto 60,000 people are going to die. Now, compare the 60,000 deaths that are going to result from tuberculosis in South Africa alone each year compared to those 4,000 cases that have died from Ebola. And the reason why people die of tuberculosis in South Africa is that it is a highly contagious disease and it's difficult to manage if the proper structures are not in place. So, in addition to that, another example. Each year, we've got a vaccine which can prevent over 2,500 to 3,000 people dying each year from one virus, and that is influenza virus. Now, South Africans don't get vaccinated against influenza virus for whatever reason, yet each year, 2,500 people in South Africa will just die because of influenza virus. Now, those are the realities. So, as the minister has correctly pointed out, there has been lots of hype around the issue of Ebola, especially in the social media, and much of that has been rumor-mongering. The media itself has got a responsibility in terms of reporting what's happening at a global level. So I understand why the media needs to highlight Ebola, but it needs to be put into context. And the important context for us in South Africa, first, is that South Africa is prepared to deal with an imported case of Ebola. Number two, even were there to be an imported case of Ebola, and it's, it's possible that there will be one case. I mean, we're looking at the most highly resourced country in the world, the United States, with, with all their border screening measures, they've had an imported case of Ebola. So there's no getting away that there might be an imported case of Ebola. But the chances of someone coming all the way from West Africa to South Africa to seek medical care, knowing that they're actually ill, is extremely slim. So I think those are the things we need to put into the context in terms of the broader challenges that we actually face. And we need to uh, get comfort from the fact that I believe South Africa is actually prepared in terms of being able to respond should there be an imported case. But even were there an Im to, to be an imported case, the general public will have almost zero risk in terms of being infected. In fact, the people that are at greatest risk of being infected were there to be an imported case of Ebola into the country are actually the frontline healthcare workers. And that's where the Department of Health has been focusing its attention. We've seen the case in Texas now where the nurse that looked after a patient basically has contracted Ebola. There hasn't been other, any other case of Ebola in the United States in the general population. It's really the frontline workers that would be at greatest risk. And I think there's a sufficient level of sensitivity amongst the frontline front workers because of the education that's taken place with them understanding that if there is someone that has a travel history to one of those affected countries in the past 21 days, and more so if they were in contact with someone that was actually ill with Ebola, that they would actually take the necessary precautions in terms of ensuring they themselves are not infected, as well as refer samples from that individual for testing to the NICD.
Mm. And Jim, uh, of course, I just want to bring you in here. Uh, you were uh, based in Sierra Leone and uh, you were, of course, also part of a team that was tracking the epidemic in the district in which you were. Just tell us about that. Yes, I was based in Kalahun district in Sierra Leone, which is the area which in Sierra Leone which was first affected by the uh, outbreak. And um, I was working as an epidemiologist there with the MSF team. And my job was just generally to try and understand what was happening in the district um, and track the cases that we were having in, in our treatment center and make sure that all contact tracing and surveillance was done um, in collaboration with the Department of Health there. And, uh, Jim, if you look at South Africa at the moment, uh, of course, what we are talking about this morning, you know, uh, should South Africa be worried? I mean, people are obviously, uh, there are fear mongers out there and scaring people about this. But, you know, are you confident, having seen what you did in Sierra Leone, that South Africa is ready to deal with this? Sure, Ebola really is a very scary disease. And so fear is sometimes, is sometimes good. Um, just my experience of returning to South Africa and going through um, airports, um, I can say that the forms and everything that I had to complete and all the information that I ha- had to fill in was assuring to me because I, I realized that you know, I'd just been to West Africa and someone was taking note. However, um, I arrived in Cape Town International Airport and the form that I had filled in had not, was not looked at. It was just put on a pile with hundreds of others, and I haven't received any follow-up phone calls. So I think the measures put in place are correct, but uh, perhaps some implementation problems. We are talking about uh, the Ebola virus this morning, and as we said, the lines are open. So let's hear from our listeners, 0891-104-208. That's the number on which to call in. Fanyana, you're calling us from Katlehong. Good morning. Hi, Sakina. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, Sakina, I just want to, I know South Africa, and I'm confident that South Africa is ready for any form of, you know, um, um, uh, Ebola that could possibly enter the country. But however, I need to bring to um, uh, all the health, you know, um, uh, officials, and especially the minister, about the, the problem that is currently building up at Bay Bridge Border Gate. I've recently used it, and Sakina, um, what the screening processes that is happening in um, uh, Bay Bridge Border Gate, I think, you know, um, needs to be questioned because the Zimbabwean officials just give that most of the truck drivers and most of the people who are coming to South Africa from Congo or even any other countries using Bay Bridge Border just a paper to fill in themselves, and then they put the stamps and boots they pass to South Africa. But now, what is going to happen is. The amount of work that the South African officials are going to do in terms of making sure that the Zimbabwean officials have done the proper screening of these guys is going to be compounded, and they're going to suffer a lot of stress, and the next thing going to happen, they'll just let anyone passing by because they will be leaving or taking some of the information the Zimbabwean officials um, had given them. And lastly, um, on the Bay Bridge, um, also between Mapungube Game Reserve as well uh, as well as other um, game reserves around um, uh, in South Africa, the the, the military, um, I think the military um, um, and the, the soldiers who are guarding that space currently, I believe, um, from one of the game reserve owners, are saying the radius of the military and um, personnel on the um, uh, Mapungube um, uh, Game Reserve. It's about 10 kilometers radius. In other words, there's one camp 10 kilometers, another camp is another camp. Mm. And between that, anything could happen. If just to, to make sure that they did 
we tighten our our borders to again prevent this disease not to even you know, um, uh, uh, smell any chance of uh, uh, to, to smell South Africa. I think that radius needs to be questioned and at least if you could at least make three kilometers or maybe four kilometers radius for the military personnel so that they could track anyone who would want to, who might by any chance try to get inside South Africa. Okay, got you there, Fanyana in Katleong. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. On the forum at 8 this morning, we ask, what do South Africans need to know about uh, the deadly Ebola virus? And speaking to us this morning, uh, Jim Patton, who's an epidemiologist with uh, MSF, and also uh, Professor Shabir Madhi, who's here in our Joburg studios. And on the line with us is uh, Minister Arun Mutsualedi from uh, the Department of Health. And uh, just before the break there, uh, Minister Mutsualedi, um, we heard from Jim about her experience at the airport. And uh, Fanyana again raises the issue of uh, what happens at border posts. So uh, whilst there may be systems in place, are you satisfied at this point that those systems are being you know, followed to the T and um, are actually having the desired outcome? Yes, uh, Sakina, I forgot to greet the professor there. Good morning, Prof. Good morning, Good morning Minister. Yes. And good morning to you also. Uh, Sakina, uh, uh, let me start with Jill. I, I think a concern coincidentally because we, we meet quite often. The concerns were raised in a meeting yesterday where we have got to change strategies all the time. But she ought to know that she went through O.R. Tambo International Airport where she was satisfied as she says. When she arrives at uh, uh, Cape Town International Airport, uh, she doesn't find the similar treatment. Is because, as I've said, we are putting our main screening at O.R. Tambo. And the fact that she went through O.R. Tambo with satisfaction doesn't mean that then we might have to repeat the same thing. But we take the point, and as I'm saying, most of them were raised in the meeting yesterday about the weaknesses. Every system will, will always have weaknesses. We will we'll look into them all the time. And we are, we are coincidentally doing so. We have just agreed that we must hire uh, more people. Uh, 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 from environmental health, we took that decision yesterday to beef up the work. So almost every day, the strategies I've told you will change as the days go by, as we evaluate them, as we review them. Mm. However, Sakina, the, the story by Fanya, uh, uh, I, I, I'm repeating really fast. You know, we don't have any cab drivers, any cab, Sakina, traveling the 6,000 kilometers from West Africa. There are no such tracks that go through the trees that would be coming from West Africa. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know that is not really very much possible. We do have tracks from Southern, however. But I want South Africans also to be fair uh, to Southern countries. The, most of the Southern countries they are talking about have never had Ebola. Ebola has only been in the DRC. And at the present moment, the present Ebola in the DRC is contained is happening more than 1,000 kilometers from the capital of Kinshasa. Just to imagine that there will be trucks moving there, that 1,000 kilometers past the capital and, and come here. It's, it's also things that do not easily happen. They, they are talking as if this truck just travel at random, you know. They, 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 there is a method which we use to know which truck is coming from where and what are the possibilities, because we are not just technicians. We, we, we study clinical medicine and we understand very well how diseases spread. Mm. And, and I'm not really being arrogant that we have, we have got to use all that knowledge, uh, Sakina. The second thing I want to mention 
it's not that West Africa is just resting. U.S. has sent soldiers there, the World Organization has sent teams, etc. The, the, the heads of state there have met. Even before people leave West Africa, they get screened for him. On Friday in the press conference, Professor Paweska, who led this team that spent seven weeks in Sierra Leone, meaning a mobile laboratory, described to the, general, uh, to the media how he was screened three times before coming to South Africa. He was screened two times on the way to the airport in Sierra Leone. He was screened at the airport. Then he got into a plane, he came to South Africa, we screened them. So even from the, the exit, from where they come from, people get screened. They don't just uh, 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 move out like that. And that, that has been the agreement that we need to do that because it's not in anybody's interest for Ebola to spread all around the world. But we do take uh, the advices where we see a weakness. That's why we're meeting every day. That's why NATOC is getting messages mm. from people from all over. They apply, they they ask the NICD, headed by Professor uh, Marty there, who's with you in the studio, uh, 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 has got this web number where people are phoning. I mean, uh, uh, health workers are phoning every day to get guidance. Okay. I'll tell you what, Minister, we want to try and answer as many of the questions that are coming through uh, from people this morning. They may seem silly, but, you know, this is what people are thinking. Here's a question from NJ in George who says, can the virus be transmitted by mosquitoes, Dr. Madi? So, Sakina, the short answer to that is no. It cannot be transmitted by mosquitoes. Basically, to get infected with this virus, you need to be in physical contact, as I mentioned before, in physical contact with someone that's actually ill. You need to be in physical contact with their bodily secretions, with their blood, with their organs, with a cadaver. You need to be in physical contact. In, there's also a possibility of being, being infected, as I mentioned, by being in physical contact with, a de- with corpse of wild animals, deers as an example, or with bats. But those, for that Ebola virus doesn't circulate in South Africa. So our bats and our animals that might be dying, even if we were in physical contact with them, which is extremely uncommon, they wouldn't be infected with Ebola. So you do not get Ebola by actually sitting next to someone, by someone coughing and you inhaling the air. You do not get Ebola in that manner. The only way you get Ebola is being in physical contact with someone that's actually sick or with their bodily secretions or with their blood. And that's the reason why healthcare workers are getting so sick in Mm. in those areas that are affected. About 10% of all of the people that have died of Ebola are healthcare workers. So that's disproportionate in terms of the number of healthcare workers in those community. But the reason they're becoming ill is unfortunately in many of the settings, they don't have proper functional healthcare systems. They don't have something as basic as what we call PPE, personal protective equipment, to actually prevent themselves from getting ill. Mm. So you need to be in physical contact with someone that is actually ill from the virus to actually contract the virus from that individual. Jim, here's one for you from uh, Jay Ponky on Twitter. Jay Ponky wants to know, if Ebola patients in West Africa are hospitalized at health camps to die there, why is the death toll still rising? Is there Ebola in food? No, there's no Ebola in food. Um, with Ebola, it's a, a race against time. You have to isolate patients who, who are infected before they infect others. Uh, so we're getting the patients who are dying in our centers, but we're also missing a few, and maybe we're not getting them as soon as they develop symptoms. So they still have time to pass it on to others. And you see, that's uh, the other issue when it comes to the symptoms, uh, because those symptoms could be uh, symptomatic of anything else. Uh, they, they, they seem to be just that common, that broad. The Forum at 8. 
on SAFM. Thanks for tuning in to the forum this morning. Uh, we are asking you, what do South Africans need to know about the deadly Ebola virus? And taking your questions uh, this morning for our panel, Minister Aaron Mutsualedi, Professor Shabir Madhi, as well as Jam uh, Patton. Those are our guests this morning. And uh, just before the break, uh, Prof, you wanted to say something? Yeah, so I just wanted to add on as to why are so many people dying with Ebola. Now, currently, up to one out of every two pe- persons that actually contract Ebola would die. So about the 50 percent mortality rate but the reason why they're dying why the mortality rate is so high is that unfortunately in many of these countries that are affected they really don't have functional basic healthcare systems now in the presence of functional basic healthcare systems and this i'm talking of something as simple as intravenous fluids to make sure that people are rehydrated basic infection control basic antibiotics those are things that are actually lacking in those areas so we've got we've got the circumstance where people are becoming infected to the virus that can cause harm to the body but they simply don't have any basic level of care which allows them to actually recover so if someone were to go to the united states as an example we had two doctors from uh, that were infected in west africa that went back to the united states those two those two recovered and the reason they recovered was in part because of having access to better healthcare systems. So it's really provi- being able to provide a basic level of healthcare which will actually reduce that mortality rate even further, which could. Mm. Let's go to the lines now. 0891104208. Musa in Durban, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Uh, well, and you, Musa? Oh, good. Look, um, part of my question has been responded to, but I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still um, not totally convinced. You see, I, I, I'm, I'm from the thoughts that says we, we have a tendency in South Africa of, of having these wonderful policies and zero implementation. And I dread the day where we have to have a case of Ebola. And uh, with, with these uh, snippets and, and, um, and sorts of hints that uh, there's, there's leaks in the system, I, I dread we don't get a case because I don't think um, um, the systems that have been put in place, uh, the people are as ready as, as they are being, as it's been said, that they, they will implement it, uh, uh, what has been planned. Okay, thank you so much, Musa in Durban. KGM in Cape Town, good morning. Hi, Sakina, good morning. Hi. Sakina, a quick one. Your question is what South Africans should know regarding this, this uh, pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. You know, it, it, it really worries me when I hear uh, a person of... Uh, I respect Dr. Mutualedi very well as our minister. He, he does a, a fantastic job. But I, I don't like a situation where people... Uh, something that is defensible. This situation is very clear. Ebola is one of the diseases that are man-made. The pharmaceutical companies are benefiting. Dr. Mutualedi cannot bite the hand that feeds him. I'm not linking him directly to, to, to the creation of Ebola. But the, the simplicity of it, where we talk about it as if we've got everything in, in, in order for us, we will be able to combat it. it it's, it's a fallacy. We have people coming into this country illegally via all sorts of ports. And people are not only coming to South Africa via airports. We've got uh, a sea, we've got, we've got borders. Uh, the other gentleman talked about the situation in Zimbabwe. We, we need to warn our people to be careful in terms of, instead of us saying we're ready, we, we know we're ready, but let's take further precautions. Because my last comment is this, uh, uh, Sakina. I travel a lot around the world. Uh, my, my job gets me to travel. Now, when I see a lot of mishaps, 
that are happening in terms of control measures, including in our very country in South Africa. There are times when I go internationally, my passport is never checked until I go back myself because it's irresponsible for me knowing very well that my passport has to be checked. And it doesn't get checked. Now you ask yourself how many people go through the same thing and for, because they are maybe uh, um, border jumping and all of those things, it's okay. So we mm-hmm. need to, to, to communicate this in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, as far as possible as opposed to saying we, we are ready and we know everything. All right, got you. Thanks so much, uh, KGM. Patrick in Vitbank. Uh, thank you, Shakin. Shakin, I'll, I'll be brief. I just want to know if I can tell this disease, I sit next to that person. I'm going to see the symptoms. Thank you. Okay, Patrick wants to know about symptoms. And Sepiso in Cape Town? Um, good morning, Sakina, and to your panel member, Silva. Welcome. Sakina, you know, my main question is, and concern as well is that we are approaching the Elfester season, and, and there will be a lot and lot of movement, you know, in and out of African countries, even in South Africa. Like in my case, I'll be traveling to Nigeria, and in Nigeria we know the infrastructure is not that good. And there was one case of a, Niger- of a person who was um, um, infected with this pandemic in Nigeria. What is, like, I've heard the minister talking about, you know, there are control measures, so this and that, but then what should one know? I think the important thing right now is that we need to get information from the government. There are control measures, but then what is the information? They, we, we need to have more public awareness raising there is social media, so we need to have that information out in the public for the people to know and um, to understand what is Ebola, for instance. All right. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Tsepiso. Uh, the Forum at 8 on SAFM. Talking Ebola on the forum at 8 this morning and uh, so many questions uh, that we need to answer. Let me run through some of the SMSs that have come through. Uh, John says, uh, good day to everybody. These diseases are started by uh, pharmaceutical companies so that they can start selling medication to all our governments. They are pulling the wool over our eyes to bluff us, wake up South Africans and stop believing all this nonsense. JM says, Ebola, mass media, mass hysteria and uh, this unsigned SMS says, perhaps the experts are wrong when they say that Ebola is not transmitted across the air. So many medics have caught Ebola. And as P1KZN says, we will never know when Ebola has reached our shores because Dr. Mutswaledi um, is, uh, uh, pol- uh, treats this as a political subject. He's so angry. Another one says Ebola will come to South Africa through the back door and wreak havoc in the informal townships and uh, with African refugees in South Africa. Gabriel says, what does Ebola stand for? And this one says, uh, TB worse than Ebola. This is just out of context and purely spin. AIDS was also uh, nothing to worry about, according to the spin doctors. So, skepticism still abound. But uh, let's just try and look at some of the issues that have been raised. Dr. Mutsualedi Musa says that as South Africa, we are great at coming up with policies, but we are terrible when it comes to implementing. He's quite a skeptic, and uh, we, we we cannot choose skepticism, Sakina. And uh, he again says he treats the day on which we'll get. He says, I'm, I'm denying the fact that we'll get at least one case of Ebola. I'm not. In fact, we did get it, Sakina. There was Ebola in South Africa uh, 18 years ago, in 1996, and we were able to deal with it. And we are not saying there won't be any one case of Ebola. 
process already mentioned that even a very highly developed country like the United States is getting Ebola now. So we are not saying we can't get it. We are just saying we believe we are ready, as we were in 1996, where there was only one case and we dealt with it and it never spread around. And uh, we, we believe we can do that. Uh, the, the other uh, uh, gentleman from Cape Town, I didn't hear his name, the first one from Cape Town. KGM. Uh, yes. I mean, he's full of a lot of conspiracy theories. I, I don't understand why they believe scientists around the world are homogeneous. They can together have one big conspiracy against humanity. These scientists have got children, they've got wives, they've got families, and, and they are not monsters uh, 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 to lead pharmaceutical companies to create gems as people seem to be believing, and with nobody exposing them. That doesn't exist around the world, it never exists. Uh, the, 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 the symptoms of Ebola, so somebody from within ask about the symptoms, yes. I think that's a very, very important question, and I appreciate it. The, the symptoms of Ebola, Sakina, uh, are mainly in three groups. Firstly, it's flu-like symptoms, unfortunately. Maybe that's what is causing hysteria, because symptoms of, of flu are abound. You know, like uh, muscle pain, tiredness, dizziness, and, and all that. Uh, people also get diarrhea, and they also get vomiting. The uh, second set of, 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 of symptoms... Is, is bleeding, you know. People do bleed, uh, literally f- through the mouth, through the gums. Any part of the body can bleed, and and so uh, 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 I think I've already mentioned diarrhea and vomiting. So those are the symptoms of Ebola. As you can see, Sakina, they are very uh, non-specific. Any disease can cause all those symptoms. Maybe that is what is causing the confusion. That's why we are being chased around all the hospitals uh, about Ebola because of these symptoms. In, in fact, Sakina, we have, pre, we have tested 14 blood samples. That means 14 people have been tested for Ebola. I must confess that all of them, we're testing them just to settle the nerves. We're not convinced that it will ever be Ebola. Just from the science and the symptoms from our, our understanding of clinical medicine. And all of them came negative. The commonest is septicemia, malaria and all, and, and all those things. So so the symptoms are quite non-specific mm. and maybe that is what confuses people. Uh, the issue of giving information to the public, yes, we'll try our best. We just met this week and we think about starting to send information via school kids, you know, on small pamphlets. We certainly do so. I think it's important. It's a very important observation or criticism. Somebody asked what is the meaning of Ebola? Uh, Sakina, the first case of Ebola broke out or was found, or, or the, the, the first virus was isolated in 1976, 88 years ago in the DRC, by a school teacher who, who slaughtered a monkey for food and, and ate it, and, and that's how he got this Ebola. From there, it spread to the rest of the village. The villagers who died were around the Ebola River in the mm. DRC, and that's how the virus was called Ebola. All right. It was uh, around the ball either way it was travel. Uh, Tepeso raised this question about, um, you know, uh, economic migrants, as it were. And, and here's an SMS from Tulani in KZN, uh, Prof. And Tulani says, can we discourage this habit of uh, people hugging and kissing, especially when meeting our loved ones at airports, just as a precautionary measure? Is that something people should look into? And the answer to that is yes, only if that person has been to one of those West African countries has an, and has also been in contact with someone with Ebola. 
So you do not get Ebola by hugging or kissing someone that is not actually infected, obviously. But if a person has been in, in West Africa in one of those affected countries and has actually been in contact with someone who is ill, then that person needs to basically be observed and you should minimize bodily contact with those individuals. But like I said, that's not the average person that's coming home, even if they visited Liberia and they haven't been in contact with someone with Ebola, that person poses no mm. risk to the individuals that are, that are in contact with them locally. Jim, what sort of advice do you have uh, for uh, someone like Tepiso who is traveling to a country where there is potential of uh, them, you know, potentially getting in touch with people who may have been in touch with people who uh, could have the disease, the virus? I think knowledge. Um, if, if, if she... Uh, before she goes, just checks uh, as to the status of the epidemic at the at the time. So um, I know at the moment in Nigeria, it's been very quiet and there's been no new cases. So they're, they're waiting to declare the end of the epidemic there. And in which case she should be safe traveling to Nigeria. Um, and also, I guess, for her just to know the symptoms, which are, as, as uh, the minister said, very nonspecific. But uh, if she has any concerns, then she can go to her nearest um, medical practitioner. Well, uh, still so many questions and, of course, uh, many answers. Uh, Minister, we are out of time, Minister. Can I ask the lady to give you uh, uh, details because we can issue her a travel guide. We do have travel guides in the department. Oh, uh, uh, so this is for Tepiso in Cape Town? Yes, yes, we do have travel guides for all the travelers. Will do. travel guides, actually. Yes. Will do. And then, and, and of course, uh, Minister, we'll get in touch uh, with your office to find out how everybody uh, who uh, is a tra- traveling to uh, areas where there is uh, some form of outbreak where they can maybe get more information. Well, that's where we're going to have to leave it. Uh, never enough time. We were talking about Ebola this morning. Thanks to our guest, Jim uh, Patton, uh, and also Prof. Uh, Shabir Madhi, as well as Minister Aaron Mutswaleri. And we'll try and continue up the stakes with regard to keeping the public informed and educated around this particular matter. Thanks as always for your fantastic participation to the production team uh, for making sure it went out loud and clear. It's a minute after nine, news time with Vibakshni Chetty.